Blog Talk Radio. talk show on the internet on Block Talk Radio. Bueno, bueno, mi gente. Welcome to another Sunday night edition of Radio Capicú. And I want to welcome you to our show. I want to welcome all of our friends in the chat room. I want to welcome everybody listening from all over the world. My name is George Torres, the Urban Hibaro, and I'm here tonight um, as we are uh, on occasion to talk about something really, really serious that's happening in our community. Um, as you already know, uh, if, you, if you're a regular listener, over the years we've touched a lot of topics that touch the Latino community. Um, what we try to do here is create a forum that we have long lacked in, in our circle in the sense that we don't have, um, I guess, the the right forum to discuss certain matters. Um, some people have uh, said all the time that, you know, there's all kinds of talk shows on online and uh, there's talk shows on uh, on TV that talk about certain things and that, that affect our community. But for the English-speaking urban Latino, uh, there is a lack of forums to discuss this kind of serious uh, issues that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, today we're going to be talking about mental illness, as you already know. Um, the difference here is that... Uh, we're going to be talking about it, and we're going to be sharing stories. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that through storytelling, we could discuss, um, resolve, and heal all things uh, through the discussion. So I am going to be bringing on somebody who's very special to me and my community, um, somebody who is a blogger, somebody who is uh, very well-loved in her community, and she's going to be sharing a very personal story um, about mental illness with her and her family. Um, and through the story, hopefully, we could uh, gain some very important insight and uh, hopefully be able to help others. So I am going to take a quick musical break, and uh, when we come back from the break, uh, we'll be here with our guest, and uh, we will set off that conversation. All right, thank you again for listening to the Copy Crew Show. We'll be right back.
¿Qué pasa, mi gente? This is George Torres, the Urban Hivado, and you're back with the Copy Clue Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Um, I uh, I was just mentioning before the before we went into the in the Heights um, song uh, called Breathe. I wanted to kind of set the tone for what we're going to be talking about today, and it's really about empowerment. It's really about uh, sharing uh, our stories and, and and becoming empowered as a result. Um, so tonight we're going to open up our phone lines to discuss the topic of mental illness. And I'll be honest with you, when I first posed this question on Facebook, um, it was something along the lines of, why is it so hard to discuss uh, mental health in the Latino community? I had a lot of people reach out to me um, and talk to me about a whole plethora of things. But one of the things that I, I really realized, having a, such a multicultural uh, friend base, um, was that this is a difficult topic to have in any culture. So, um, you know, even though we're talking about it in the, in the Frank is a Latino show, uh, we're talking about it in our frame of reference that we can understand, uh, but just want to make you aware, the listener, that um, this is a difficult commu- uh, conversation to have in any community. Um, but hopefully uh, tonight we'll have a better uh, perspective and we'll uh, you know, be able to get through this, okay? So the person that I want to bring on the air right now is uh, <laughs> one of the most uh, interesting people I've met. Um, and interestingly enough, somebody who's kind of similar to me in a lot of ways. You know, I have the persona of being the urban hivado, and uh, she's known on, on in the blogosphere as the Bohemian Babushka. And uh, she is a uh, self-proclaimed coffee-crazed first-generation Cuban-America, Cuban-American who was raised in Miami. Uh, she's in her 50s, and she loves to speak in Spanglish. So she already won my heart with that by herself. But one of the things I really like about her, um, and I'm going to bring her on in a second, is that she is very alive. She she loves life. She loves the human experience, and it, you could definitely see that when you go to her blog and into her writing and to her experiences that she shares through her writing. Um, so I want to I want to take this moment now to welcome my good friend, uh, the Bohemian Babushka Sonia Guerra. Sonia. Hola, 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 my beautifuls, especially for you, George. How are you? How are you today? So, so I, I don't know what to call you. Should I call you? Should I call you Sonia? Should I call you Babushka? Like, what, what, do, what do you prefer? I answer to both. It just depends which way we're going on this one. <laughs> it's fine. So, so I'm essentially, for all intents and purposes, I'm interviewing two different people in the sense. At least two, yeah. <laughs> okay, at least, at least two. Okay, so those are the two that I know. Okay, so for all intents and purposes, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Bohemian Babushka? Bohemian Babushka is a woman, a 51-year-old woman. She's the grandma we all wish we had. Um, some of us may be lucky enough to have her. Basically, it's about living life going after your dreams, not letting anyone tell you otherwise, even if you all have to do it in little spurts as volunteers, go at what you're for. Uh, it's about the common human experiences we all have. We all have uh, someone in our family who drives us crazy. We all have just experiences we all have. The main thing about Babushka is don't wait until you're 51. Well, don't wait until you're my age to do what you want to do. Although getting to my age is wonderful, it's much better than the alternative, 
Um, you wear it well. Don't wait until don't don't wait until that age. And of course, absolutely. The the infamous tagline is uh, if someone doesn't see your brilliance, you look at them, you smile, and you say, "You're so funny." <laughs> yeah, so it's about being true to right, yourself. So, absolutely, and you know what? Your blog definitely conveys that. Um, I met you. Well, actually, I, I met you twice, but the first time I really I was a little nervous about approaching you. Actually, so you were you were so busy. You had like a million mom bloggers around you. You had like an entourage of people around you. The first time I saw you in Hispanicized uh, in Miami. <laughs> And uh, I didn't get a chance to see you, but I tweeted you, like, the whole time I was there, and we talked uh, through Twitter, but we kind of missed connection uh, at that particular conference. But then last year, last year we got to actually spend some time together, and we got to know each other a little better, and I have to tell you that you are officially the most original blogger uh, in our circle. So well, thank you. <laughs> and, that's a and, and for those who don't know, George is a heck of a karaoke singer, guys. Oh, shit. That video has not gone to a wide release, so let's not talk about that. But um, but we had a good time in Miami, and uh, and you know, and and here we are a couple of months later. Um, there's been a major shift in your life, and uh, I noticed it a couple of months ago when I stopped seeing some of the posts coming through your blog, and then shortly after that, I know that you started a different uh, blog or a different forum to, to start having a conversation about something that happened in, in your family. So do you want to talk a little bit about what, what the shift was? Well, I, Babushka was doing a an event for Ford, and on the last day of the event, I got a call from Miami saying, um, you got to come home. you got to come to Miami. Your daughter needs to be admitted into the hospital. So, okay. about that's, that's, that's a scary. That's, that's a scary call for any parent to get. Yeah, um, but if it was physical, I mean, it's still scary, of course. Uh, but when I got down there, since she is not married, I had um, her legal representation, I guess, um, and I had to sign her in. She was catatonic. Those scenes you see in um, the movies where the people are just holding themselves and, and murmuring or blabbering. Yeah, that's so not really, responsive and kind of like yeah, out. That, that's real. That is, that is how it happens. That is how they get. And that is the scariest thing, apparently possibly have. Well, one of the scariest, anyway. So, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. Because so, you can't, can't reach them, and, and you don't know how, and part of you is scared, too, because you don't know what the reaction will be. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, it's one yeah. of those situations where, you know, usually when mommy comes to the rescue and mommy's comes to a situation where we're in distress, um, you know, we're, we're, well, that's what we're waiting for. We're, we're waiting for mommy's hug, mommy's embrace, 
a kiss, una bendición. Oh yeah, right. you know, food or whatever. But when mommy when mommy comes or mommy or abuela comes to the rescue, there, there's a certain sense of relief, even though things may not be a hundred percent. But but we kind of feel like okay, this can get better because mommy's here now. Yeah. And, and and you didn't feel that and you didn't feel that when you when you walked into the room. Not from her because she didn't recognize me. I did from her boyfriend, from my grandmother, from, you know, okay, Sonia's here. She'll do this. Because I always have. But I couldn't this time. There was no one, honestly, there was no one to help because my daughter was not there. So so now you uh, you get there, obviously, it's a shock. Your daughter's catatonic. Mm. What, what's going through your mind? What's the first thing that... You walk in there and they tell you they're telling you what's going on. Like, what, what's your first reaction? What's the first thing that they tell you? How did they how did how did they tell you this? Like, well, I got a call from La Tata from uh, my grandmother, saying that she had a call uh, because my my daughter's twenty seven years old. She has her own home. She has two children. You know, she's a grown up. You know, so um, she had gotten a call that my daughter had been not responsive, and had not eaten for a couple of days. Well, that in itself, I'm a Kuana. You don't do that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you know right there, there's something wrong. But, you know, they were worried, and uh, that's when I got the call. When I went to the hospital, the thing is, of course, the first thing you think and you hope is that it's a physical ailment. So they took her to a regular hospital emergency room and again that's where part of the stigma goes because we do not want to admit that maybe it's not physical because it was obvious mentally she was not there that that was not the place she had to have been but that's where they first sent her was to a physical hospital after two days there and us trying to reach her, for her trying to be responsive. They did all the physical tests they could, and they said there's nothing, nothing physically wrong with her. We have to put her into a psychiatric ward. I can't even begin to tell you. It was between shock and crying and anger, um, I'm being totally lost. Because here you're helping someone who so, you don't know. So, so to kind of put this in context, why don't you describe what your daughter was like prior to to this situation? Because I'm, I'm sure that this was a very big contrast. Oh yeah, that that song you picked. You have no idea how perfect it was. It's just so perfect. My daughter was, you know, a cheerleader. She had good grades. She had plenty of friends. She was the captain of the dance team. That sort of person, you know, always starting to look out for uh, businesses and extracurricular. She's just gung-ho, everything, okay? And then nothing, absolutely nothing. So that song you you got was was just perfect. 
but that's uh, that's something I'd like to touch about also on the stigma. When my daughter did come through, when she did start returning, one of the things she was saying was, Mom, all that was an act. Everything I've done has been an act because I wanted people to accept me. Wow. How many of us do that? Especially so, the Latino, so her among Latinas. Her, her, so her personality, everything that she was doing, she's saying that that's not really who she is? That before, right, that we all knew her as the, the cheery, I always called her my summer child because everything, you know, she was always up. She, she, she was babushka. She was always happy and she had the good grace and she did this and that. And she goes, Mom, that's just because I wanted people to like me. So I tried to be everything. She's one of these people who find it hard to say no. One of these who, you know, who are always doing, always giving, always. But she wasn't being true to her. She wasn't, she wasn't happy somehow. Um, she so, she so wasn't because she it, wasn't being true. And that's very prevalent in the Latino communities, especially among Latinas. We try to please everyone. We try to do everything for everyone. In the case of your daughter, what do you think? What do you think pushed her to that particular point? And what what do you think was the catalyst of of her being able to say, "John, yeah." Well, you know, in retrospect, uh, I thank God. I mean, this is going to sound weird, but I thank God that she did go catatonic. Because that was her body, that was her mind stopping it going any further. That was her saving so grace. Was, yeah, yeah um, the doctor said it was stress-related, st- severe depression, which caused the catatonic and psychotic episodes. Because that would be it, she would not talk at all and then all of a sudden she start mumbling and then mumbling some strangest things and um, that was the psychotic part coming out but all of that was a self preservation, a defense that her body did when it would shut, it, it just shut so it wouldn't get any worse so no more stress could possibly go through she just literally was not in this world it was so hard to wow. look at her and try to talk to her and try to bring her back and talk. And you know, you go to those psych wards, which is a show by itself, but you go to the wards and you see your child and you want them to come back. A part of you doesn't want them really back because of where they're at. But at the same time, of course, you want them back. But, but it's it's so hard to go through. It's like you're trying to be happy for them, trying to be up. You know, no one wants to come back to someone who's, who's depressed. So you try to be happy. And, Mommy, you're going to be fine. Mira, te limpio la casa. You, you know, all the stress you have is not there anymore. Mommy's here. I took it all over. You're trying to be up and everything. Meanwhile, you don't stop crying. You just can't help it. 
Holy Sonia, Spirit. I'm going to I'm going to take a moment now, and I'm just going to invite um, another part of my team onto the call. Okay. Um, her, her name is Vanessa, and Vanessa has been actually she she started off being one of our first listeners some six years ago, and she has gradually uh, become part of the family <laughs> in a big way. Uh, she's one of our biggest supporters. Uh, when we have shows like this, she has a lot of interest in, in mental health and and uh, and things of this nature. So she really wanted to be play a part. When I told her your story, she wanted to play a part uh, in in hopefully shedding some light on some things and maybe giving us some resources that we could use. So I, I want to invite Vanessa, or like we call her Vanessa Vanessa, uh, to the show. Hey, Vanessa. Hey, how's everyone doing? Hola, Vanessa. Oh, okay. Buenas. You know, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, obviously, it sounds like something that even just recounting it still really um, touches a lot of emotion for you because, of course, you love your daughter. And it must be difficult to see someone you love go through something so difficult, right? That, like you said, you can't touch, you can't manipulate it, you can't just pull it out of her. And that's often the case for the people who love those who are suffering from mental illness, especially when a crisis like this happens. There can be a lot of difficulty in coping from the outside because of not being able to be really understand everything that's going on, not being able to understand, especially in the beginning, what it's going to look like for it to get better, right? And not understanding necessarily someone's role and what that'll mean for that person, because we all, we may all have different roles. But it takes a lot of courage even to just talk about your story, even in coping with somebody else's crisis. So I want to thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. And, and I, I want to add to that. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not sure how big your family is, um, but I, I'm sure that this has been difficult for you know beyond just you and your daughter. Um, and, and I, I want to really thank you for your vulnerability to to come on the show and, and talk about this. Um, what I what I want to well, know is you're in the hospital and you're and you're and you're facing your daughter and you're facing the doctors and you're trying to figure out what's going on. What I want to know is what's the family dynamic? What, what's the what's the family dynamic like? And who's supporting you uh, while you're going through this process? Well. Thank God for Facebook, right? For Fable, as uh, Babushka says, Fable. <laughs> but what, before I go there, I, w- I wanted to thank Vanessa because the part that that started this whole stop the stigma campaign for me was something she's going to touch upon. I didn't know where to go. Since we don't talk about this, we have no idea what to do, where to go, and we feel completely helpless. And I'm glad Vanessa's on because maybe she'll help people guide them in the right where to go. I had to call my little town in Crawfordville, that's in North Florida, because no one in Miami, big town Miami, was helping. No one was directing me. And that's a frustration nobody should have to go through. That's very interesting because, you know, Miami is known as being a very vain town in general. Right. So I think that that, that might be <laughs> an indicator of what you're trying to say here, that, that there is a stigma, that there is uh, um, 
it's, it's frowned upon to have discussions about mental health because here you have a big city like Miami, which has millions of people living in it, and there's not one single mental health resource that you could really tap into for resources and, and, and support. They're there, but no one knows about them because no one shares that they've used them. That's the stigma. Once I started saying, well, I was told about NAMI, then the people started saying, oh, well, there's also this, but you know what I'm saying? But it's a story no one wants to share. We all have somebody, if not ourselves, who has needed help. But nobody wanted to say it. So I'm very glad that. And just for the sake of the conversation, just for the sake of the conversation for the for the listeners, um, NAMI is actually the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, yes. which you can reach at www.nami.org, N-A-M-I.org. Right, it's a free so, grassroots so organization. Back to my original question: You're in the hospital, you're facing the doctors, you're trying to figure out what's going on with your daughter. I'm sure that you're a mess, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, Who's there supporting you? Who, who, what family member? What, who's there saying, okay, well, well her, we're going to get through this? Okay, well, her boyfriend was there with me all the time. He would always come. Uh, my grandmother, Latata's 92 years old. And if I was going through that hard emotional, I really didn't want her there. At the end, once my daughter came back, then she was there. But we had a lot of people... Um, her father, who she had be was estranged from, came from the Cayman Islands just to be with his daughter. Her father's side of the family came. I mean, it, it brought us together. It, it, it showed her that there was something to come back to, that she didn't need to be little Miss Perfect. And that's very that's also a very important thing for them to feel and know that they are loved no matter what and as they are and who they are. Well, but I'm and sure that, that when they're going through when they're, when they're going through that process and and you're saying you're saying to them like you know just you know I'm I'm just thinking personally about a personal friend of mine who at one point was depressed and and. We, as friends, we always tend, and Vanessa, maybe you could shed light on this. As friends, we always tend to tell people, like, you know, it's going to get better. You know, you just need Mm -hmm. to shake it off, or you just need to go out, or you need to go hang out. Like, we always, as friends, we think that we know what the solution is, and we try to solve everything with just the love that we have for the person, not understanding that that's the most important thing in the world for them is how they're feeling at that particular moment, and nothing could change that. Well, you make a really good point. It's great to want to support people and keep them open to the fact that things can be better and things maybe are better than they're perceiving or that there's options out there, but it's also really important to validate what people are feeling. Mm-hmm. Even if it seems, even if something seems unrealistic on the outside, it's real to that person on the inside. It came from some form of logic and reasoning. You know, so really hearing somebody out first and validating, I hear what you're saying, it sounds like you feel this way, it sounds like this is what you're thinking or this is what you're trying to say, just feeling understood is one of the best ways that we can support somebody. If we cut them off every five minutes with don't think that way, that's not true, don't worry about that, then it's 
it, it sounds positive in the sense that we feel like we're trying to cut off the negative, but at the same time, if we can't really sit where we're at, we can't move forward from there. So really validating somebody is really important and keeping options open. I mean, I'd love to tell somebody, you know, you have a lot of options. Things are better than what you're thinking. Um, this will get better. If it doesn't get better, here are some options too. If you're finding it too much of a challenge to do how you're doing it now, here's some other supports you can get in meeting that challenge. So not kind of the either or, but the this and that. Because sometimes, we, for one thing, we can't guarantee anything. We can say in life we know there's options, but we can't guarantee that person's situation in any way. We can't guarantee them how the people in their lives are going to treat them or if they'll lose their job or not or if some other tragedy won't happen. But we can tell them is whatever does happen, you, there is support to get through that. And that support could be your friendship, that support could be therapy, that support could be church, that support could be family. It'll, more than often it's a mix of all of that. And, you know, we each in our lives have unique um, combinations of what that may look like. I've had clients that have the most supportive families on earth. I have other clients that literally have no supportive person in their life. That becomes the work we do with them. How can we start to build supports in your life? Because that's one of the things affecting your ability to manage your challenges and to, to have positivity in your life. So it's really just opening up to all the possibilities as opposed to trying to stifle the thought that this isn't okay or that we don't like to think negatively. We don't, but we have to acknowledge where it's coming from and we have to acknowledge that there's things influencing that negativity. It's not coming from nowhere. Yeah, and I think the, the most important thing, and I think I guess the biggest lesson here in, in your situation is that being happy or pretending to be happy and hiding the problem is not going to make you go away. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's you know, it, it, there's there's underlying roots to 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 the issue that need to be addressed, and and you know, uh, it's hard. It's hard to identify. I, I don't know if uh, Vanessa, if you have any insight on how you can identify somebody, for example, if they're if they're possibly potentially depressed. Well, I wouldn't stick to depression specifically. What I would say in terms of what do we mean when we say mental illness? I mean that in itself can encompass a wide range of mental health conditions that could be depression, anxiety, eating disorders, addictions, etc. Exactly. Manic depressive disorder. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can um, develop mental illness. And what we're really looking at is ongoing signs and symptoms. So when what's troubling you is causing frequent stress, when it's affecting your ability to function in life, in relationships, um, even function interpersonally when we're getting to the point where we're having a lot of trouble in different areas of our lives, we're maybe not getting up out of bed or making choices that we feel we can't control that are go against our values. You know, this is what I mean in terms of affecting your ability to function. And at that point we know, okay, whatever I'm working from isn't working for me. I need something else. And sometimes we don't know what that something else is going to be or it could be until we can sit down with someone who can listen to us and start to, and this is a lot of what therapy is about. It's not just talking for the sake of talking. That therapist is going to be listening for patterns in how you think, how you feel, patterns in the influences in your life. Because it's not all about something's wrong with me. It's I interact with my life. I interact with the different systems in my life. So there's a part of focusing on how I deal with my life and a part of focusing on what influence in my life do I have to deal with. 
whether it's work, religion, family, relationships, what have you. So, you know, how can how can we tell if somebody is really struggling? Sometimes we can't if they're hiding it really well, right? Sometimes we can tell what people are looking for, and that's when we put on that happy face and try to seem, quote, unquote, normal. But, you know, we've seen when people seem sad, when they seem anxious or depressed, if there's a sudden change in their behavior, a sudden change in their routine. Um, sometimes it's really intuitive when you know somebody really well and you're constantly feeling like something's not right. You know, being able to check in with them about those things. Um, and if we're going to check in with somebody, being prepared to be accepting of what they're going to say to us. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if it's going to be hard for me to express to you what's troubling me. And then I say it to you, and you react by being shocked and maybe getting upset and kind of taking it on as your own problem. And maybe you're cutting me off every five minutes, or maybe you're acting like it's hurting you as much as it's hurting me. It's kind of like, wow, if you can't tolerate me talking about my problem, I might want to take it back. So if we're going to check in with somebody, we really want to prepare ourselves to be able to take in what they're saying and focus on what it is they're telling us and focus on what can we do to support that situation, not to stuff it up, not to put it to the side, but to say, what are you really telling me about what's troubling you? And asking that person, what would you like out of this situation? You're talking to me right now. Do you want me to just listen? Do you want me to help you look for resources? Do you want me to give you some information about something or some insight into this situation? You know, really letting, uh, understanding that just because a person is being troubled doesn't mean that they don't understand as well what's going on and can't articulate what it is they feel they might need. There's another thing that I learned. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, There's another thing that I I learned because as a blogger, since I, I couldn't do anything as a mom, really, for my daughter. While she was in that, as a blogger, I, I instinctively started doing research and, and doing things. And one of the saddest things, another thing to look at uh, among the list that Vanessa just finished saying, unfortunately, the stigma is so big in our in our culture that some people would prefer to self-medicate, and they do that with substance with substance abuse. They become substance abusers. So if you know someone who all of a sudden starts going that way, it may not be what you think. It may be they're trying to self-medicate, and, and what they have really is, is a mental problem because, unfortunately, in our culture, it's better to be a lurch than local, and that's the statistics are, are very high in that. And it's a sad fact, but it is a fact in, in, our, in our people. Yeah, well, and, sure, and, and those, are, those are times where you can really check in. Like when somebody's making jokes a lot, but they seem to be drinking all the time or making comments that seem to be funny, but exactly. you listen stressed out or life sucks, ha, 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 or I need this wine, I think I've needed wine every day this week. And, you know, for some people they re- really may be saying it in a lighthearted way, but those are opportunities to check in with someone like, wow, every day this week, you know, what's been triggering that? You know, what's mm-hmm. been making you feel like you need to look for something to soothe you? Or life sucks, you know. I mean, you seem like you're laughing about it, but that's a pretty strong sense, you know. Are you really feeling that way? Let's talk about that. And, you know, having those check-ins, we don't always have to wait for crisis. And looking for help shouldn't always be about waiting for a crisis to happen 
and using support as crisis management. Many times, a lot of these issues can be addressed well before they become crises. Um, it's like you're saying about having not only the courage to open up about it, but having the support in your peers and your family and your friends that if you do open up about it, it's accepted. It's not judged. It's not criticized. It's not taken over as somebody else's issue. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities um, that we have if we really listen to what our loved ones are saying to check in about, okay, is this just some simple like you had a hard day or are you really having a hard time right now because we could talk about that too. Our loved ones and even ourselves, because how many of us do that, you know? And I I just want to jump in for one second. And, Vanessa, I I just realized now that I didn't talk anything about your background. Can you tell people a little bit about what you actually do? Sure. For those Um, people who are just hearing it for the first time. Professionally, I'm a social worker. I'm a licensed social worker in New Jersey. So I have a bachelor's in psychology and a master's of social work as well as a license. Um, I specifically work as a counselor and community educator for survivors of domestic violence. So that's been mostly my specialty area, Um, in which case it's more supportive counseling, meaning that there's no assumption that because somebody has experienced domestic violence that they have a mental illness, although that type of trauma could lead to mental illness. And so what we really work on is supporting each person through their situation in a way that meets their needs, and if that includes needing to address mental illness or um, after effects of trauma-like abuse, then we can address that as well. So, yeah, as a social worker, you know, we do get training in clinical work. I have a question, Vanessa, and I'm not sure if you're the right person to ask, but I'll shoot it by you anyway. Can somebody, just like, you know, as human beings, you know, we get tired, we we get fatigued, and then we can catch a cold because our immune system is low or catch a flu, and and pretty much, you know, bounce back a couple of days later after taking some medication. Is is that possible? Is is it possible for you to get a temporary bout of depression or anxiety and and address it and and be fine and and never have the issue again? I mean, I don't know if that's a fair question, but. Well, no, I mean, a lot of people, they think about it that way. And the thing is that there's a difference between mental illness and the challenges we face in life. So, For example, it is completely natural in life to experience anxiety, to experience depression, to experience low self-esteem. Like you said, there may be situations that bring on those feelings and those thoughts. You know, when does it become a mental health concern is when we, it's going on for a prolonged amount of time, when it's getting worse, when the person does not seem to be able to come out of that with the coping skills and resources that they have presently, they need more than that. So that's when we start saying, wow, this is more than just a temporary challenge, this is becoming a problem. So, for example, if you go to the doctor and your blood pressure is a little high, you know, and it's the first time, they may say, have you been stressed recently? They may recommend some things. But if you come back and you're showing a pattern of consistent high blood pressure, now they're saying this is a concern, right? Or if you come in one day and your blood pressure is not just a little high, but it's extremely high, they might say you need to go to the hospital right now and get medicated because this is so high it's going to hurt you. And a lot of those same types of scenarios can be reflected in mental health issues. So, yes, you can experience challenges in your life like depression, like anxiety, and bounce back from them. And even if it gets to the point of a mental health, of a mental illness, getting help, for example, therapy, 
Um, for some people, it may take months or years to be able to overcome what they're dealing with. For other people, it may just take a few sessions or a few weeks. It really depends on the combination of where the distress is coming from, what the person's capacities are, and what influences are impacting their life, as well as what type of help they go to get. So it's a combination of a lot of things. If you go to the doctor for diabetes, you know, when he gives you, for example, that diabetes medication, he's not necessarily saying this pill is the cure. He's saying this pill is going to help you manage it. By the way, you also need to look at how you're eating. You need to look at how active you are. You need to look at how your work and how your life is affecting your health and therefore your blood sugar or your attitudes about eating and exercising. So it becomes a whole combination of things. You know, mental health, we can't see it, so it can be harder to to understand it that way, but it's really it's another component component of the human condition. So there's there's no there's simple principles that can be applied to mental health that what the problem and solution look like can be complex because everybody's unique and has a unique set of circumstances. The wonderful thing about that is that there's a lot of resources these days. Like you were mentioning earlier, it's a matter of educating people about what those resources are and where they are and how to reach them and making them accessible. I love the fact Absolutely that she's using. <laughs> I love the fact that she's using medical analogies. She's she's putting mental illness with diabetes, with high blood pressure, because that's what it is, folks. It is an illness. We don't tell people who have cancer get over it. <laughs> Same with mental illness. You can't tell them get over it. No, how see, it's not that easy. Uh, and so that's, that's a perfect signal. segue for what I was about to talk about. So, so, so the next thing is that obviously the reason why we're doing this here, you started a campaign to really kind of bring this this issue to the forefront, and, and you're gonna be um, you're gonna be walking with Nami. So I, I want you to tell us a little bit about that project and how that's helping you uh, get the word out, and, and what kind of experiences have you been having with some of your peers in in the in the blog space? Well, they've been very, I've been very blessed. A lot of apoyo, uh, starting with you, wonderful you, uh, with the show. Also, uh, Hispanicize, they were wonderful and making a press release to have everyone know what's going on. My fellow bloggers have written blogs uh, about my, my campaign. I've had people actually write about, it's given them the courage to write about their bouts with mental illness. All this, it, it's very, it's scary, but it, it's so clearing for the soul because, yes, it's out there. It's done. And I'm okay. And I have gotten over it. I will get over it. It's just a community effort. It's It needs to be because it has been so so entrenched in our culture for so many generations. Que de eso no se habla. You don't talk about that. That's, you know, <laughs> which is ironic. We're, we're a culture that we talk about everything. We're so vocal. We love life. Well, this is part of life, you know? doesn't so, make no, a any I, less. Have you had any difficulty in the family having discussions about the, the, the reality of the yeah. situation? And- Yes, when I started saying I'm going to blog about it because, as I said before, that's my world. That's what I know how to do, and I, 
I felt so helpless and I couldn't do anything else. That's what I turned to. I, I wrote a blog about it, and they were saying, do not do that. Do not. That's a family issue. Well, you know what? Yes, it is, but we're all family. I don't want anyone else to suffer what I went through. That for me as a mother, as my daughter, what is this that we have to live up to perfection? I mean, there's so many nuances there, and there is so many, you know, think about it. She was there for stress-related. At what point does it stop being just stress and it turns you over the edge? You know? Exactly. So uh, it's things we have to talk about, things we have to be careful of, things we have to embrace. And let people know we're here for you. You're not alone. And that's and the, you know that's what? the Facebook page is called that. Nunca alone. Nunca alone. That's correct. And and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight one particular blog that I saw. Um, and I have to be honest with you, the, the, her post actually moved me very close to tears. It was very overwhelming in terms of because I know who she is and, I, and I've seen her and I've met her. Um, Celise Esio. Uh, from yeah. my my mommyhood uh, blog, my mommyhood.com is the name of the website. She she had a conversation with you and and she decided to write a blog post. But what mm-hmm. I I guess what really grabbed me and and they always say a picture could you know say a, a million words right. is that she started the you know she she basically said this is the face of depression, and she opened up the blog with several pictures of her with her beautiful smile. Yeah. Um, the way she is, she's a very friendly person. I met her. She's she's a beautiful person, very community oriented, uh, very willing mm-hmm. to help people. Um, right. And and the fact that she was able to open up based on your story, really, you know, it, it hit me emotionally. Um, like I said, well, just knowing who she is and how happy she always is. Exactly. Well, well, get this. When I asked her, because I asked all my friends, you know. Could you please help me on this? This is what happened. Can you write about it? Well, as you said, she's very, she's pretty big up there in the blogging community, and she has uh, her own media network and so forth. And she and she goes, yeah, I'll help. But she didn't get back to me. Everyone else got back to me, but she didn't get back to me. And it was getting close to the time I had asked her to do it by October 1st to get, you know, the funny that month and she wouldn't when and then finally when she did I realized why she didn't get back to me she didn't yeah. tell me she never told me I understand where you're coming from I did she did so the the powerful the, the power behind that blog of hers is impressionante it's just impressive especially if you know her because she did not tell me. I was as surprised as anyone. And that's a point she makes. You never know. And that's, and that's, and that, and that's exactly what I want to talk about, because there's a, there's the particular stigma. Where we're talking about stigmas in mental health, and the, one of the biggest stigmas is that if somebody is mentally ill, that they're dangerous or they may harm somebody. And, and, and one of the things that she spoke about, yeah, and one of the things that she spoke about particularly in her blog post and you can see it at mymommyhood.com, um, is that she was very concerned about people, con- about people worrying 
about whether she was going to be able to care for her children, or for her child, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and being in a situation where she may harm somebody. And, and, and what, one of the things that we have to get across, obviously, we need, when somebody's in crisis, we need to find out what the, what the actual diagnosis is. But it's not always a diagnosis that means that the person is dangerous to themselves or others. Right, just like, just like there are functioning alcoholics, there's functioning people with mental illness. I mean, mm-hmm. life goes on, and, and you have to, and a lot of them are very successful, actually, and you wouldn't know it. Well, and one yeah, thing I to mean, keep I mean, in mind is that if somebody does get to that point where they may be a danger to themselves or others or at the, t- at the time unable to um, continue certain functions at that time, like parenting or their job or what have you, that these aren't very often are not permanent situations. Certainly in some cases, because everything has extremes, that may be the case. But more often than not, if somebody is to that point where some significant changes have to be made for that moment, like can't she take care of her children, does she need a break from her job, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one thing people need to understand about mental illness is that just like medical illnesses, they can come from different sources, more often than not with mental illness, even if the mental illness itself may be a permanent fixture in a person's life, the impact it has on their capacity is not necessarily permanent. People can learn to manage and manage very well mental illnesses that they have. Others may overcome the mental illness completely to where there's no longer an issue in their life. It really depends on what the structure is. It's also not about intelligence necessarily. So sometimes when we see that someone is mentally ill, we're thinking they don't have reasoning abilities, they don't have logic abilities, when mm-hmm. sometimes their distress is actually very logical, is very reasonable considering whatever their set of circumstances may be. So yes, these are a lot of the stigmas that can help, that can lead to people feeling ashamed to open up about what they're going through, and also when people do open up about what they're going through, can lead to them pulling it back in and saying, never mind, never mind, because we come out with something and people come out, sometimes even in the nicest um, energy can come with some of the most ignorant comments um, and self-defeating comments, and we say, never mind, <laughs> because now you're taking this somewhere else and I need to protect myself, so I'm going to hide it again. So really educating ourselves about what mental illnesses and what different mental illnesses are and what it looks like to get through them is really important if we're really going to be a support to somebody not always waiting for crisis either. Sometimes we can see things coming and kind of learn about things ahead of time, knowing that, you know, a crisis may come along or a difficult challenge may come along. And I guess that comes back to what you asked me about NAMI. Go ahead. They they are the ones who helped me. Um, They have the programs for that. And, And that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to give back because I believe in giving back to those who have helped. Um, that's what the walk is for. That's what I wanted to start to stop the stigma. I wanted to start the campaign there officially. Uh, I would love to get as many Latinos behind me uh, and behind NAMI, not only uh, monetarily, but wouldn't that be wonderful to have a whole group? I envision a whole group of Latinos, of, I mean the biggest crowd they ever get, walking that. And in the last half mile, doing a giant conga line, you know, just just taking <laughs> over. That would be wonderful because, unfortunately, it's the squeaky wheel that gets the oil, and we need to make a big impact. We need to show we care, we need the resources, 
and we need the help. So the bigger uh, statement we make, the bigger impact we can help in our community. So I wanted to kind of circle back to your daughter. Um, yeah. And then find out, you know, obviously there's been a couple of months and, and you've been going through this, you've been blogging about it and raising awareness. But on a personal note, like where, where's your daughter today in terms of uh, progress? My daughter, well, I mean, she, she went back to the same environment that she had to go with, which, I mean, that's life, right? You, you have what you have. But... Um, now everyone around her is more aware, and uh, try to be more. What is it? Understanding of her, maybe. And we like to emphasize her: you don't need to be perfection. She has started her business. She has started a business. She wants to start uh, uh, a dance team because, as I said, she was the captain of a dance team. So. So now she is realizing, hey, I need to I need to do for me. You know, I need to find something that's fulfilling for me. So she's starting that. Um, she has her days, yes. She has her days. Um, she uh, would prefer to, to, to not remember the episode, of course, but at the same time, it helps her from going back there. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Now, now, in your particular in your, in your particular case, is there a component that helps the family come to terms with what happened and how to better be there for her in the event that that she should have a, any type of relapse or if she tends to go back in the same direction again? We know the warning signs now, and we can alert each other. Um, unfortunately, she lives down in Miami, up here in North Florida. I personally would take, be taking her to therapy if I could. So I don't know. You know, once they get to a certain age, if they don't do for themselves, you really can't. Mhm. Mhm. So it, it's a two-way. It's not just family. The person affected has to be responsible enough to say, I need the help. I need to continue doing this. Now, what the family needs to do is, you know, you need a you need a ride. Do you want that? That sort of thing is fine. But if the person is not willing to do what they have to do, it's an illness. It's an illness. If you don't take your pills, you don't get better. You know, they had asked me not to blog about it. They had asked me not to talk about it, as I said before, because it's a family thing. But I said, Mama, it stopped being about you a long time ago. She was the catalyst, but now it's much farther than that. So, so what do you want to see? What What do you want to see specifically from from your peers in the blogging community, myself? Like, what 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 is your call to action to us? Well, besides besides for November, besides the November walk, which I I need people to help me sign up to walk, it's on Babushka's Baile. It's on my blog. Uh, There's a section called Stop the Stigma, and there I've uh, I've listed everything and everyone who's helped, all their their, their links, 
the, the blogs, everything is listed there. Plus what's listed there is the team sign-up. I need people to help sign up for that, um, help with donations, help with that. But the, the end goal, the, the end goal of Sonia, Babushka, is did you all know, Vanessa, I'm sure you do, but <laughs> July is National Minority Mental Illness Awareness Month. Caballero, we have our own month, okay? <laughs> Who knew? Does anyone know about that? I want you to know what? That. Actually, I didn't. So I'm you glad did, you mentioned really. it. Yeah. It's national, the whole, the whole month of July, National Minority Mental Illness Awareness Month. That's how big a problem it is. Then we have a month for it. My eventual goal is that come July, we have all over the country, I don't care who does it, I don't care how they do it, but I want everyone to do some sort of fundraising, some sort of sharing. You don't have to give it to NAMI. You can do it to your local community, whoever you think, but we need to open the lines of communication and education. We need to come out and talk about this. So every July I want to have events all over, all over. And then to have everyone tell me about them so I can do a major calendar and have every state tell me these are the organizations. I want to be basically a directory so that when people have a problem or they think they have a problem, they can go to this directory and say, where in my state can I go? I want to make it so easy. I don't want them to have to go, <laughs> you know, over 200 miles to find their corner organization. There's no need for that, not nowadays. There's so much power, and there's so much information we can do online. That's my eventual goal, to have a place for people to educate, to share, and let them know it's okay. You're not alone. So that's why I started it. No, that's so, a, it so, just, so, just, so just so you're aware, as far as we're concerned, you have a partner with us for life. Um, we, we, me and Vanessa actually had a conversation earlier today when we were doing pre-production for the show, and we talked about, you know, how, how this has to be a multi-show conversation because today we're just sharing your story so people could see that this is real, so they can put a face to it. They could see through your writing, through the people who are writing with you and for you, what how this has affected you and how you're, you're making your way through this process. But the next step is we, we have to get some people in here um, along the lines of what Vanessa's been talking about and right. really kind of dig deep into, like, what the different conditions are, what are the, the different conditions, how could you be an advocate for somebody who you know is going through something like this, you know, what your role should be. Uh, just it, 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 In other words, it's a bigger conversation. You know, we can never okay. get through this in, in the time frame allotted. Um, but... We are going to be having that conversation fairly quickly uh, because we want to continue to support you 
Um, right now, I'm actually tweeting out the link to NAMI uh, for the walk. They're trying to raise a they're trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars. They're up to thirty five thousand at this point with four hundred forty six donors. So. Right. My team, Nunca Loan, is trying to get a thousand. Of course, I won't say no, no to more, but if we can raise the thousand, that'd be wonderful. And like I said, I'd like to make a big group of us get down there and just do it. You know, show the solidarity. Show we're ready. We're ready to change the generations of atrasos. You know, it's time to stop it. So we need a big group to really show. And I would love to see that. If people would sign up to go ahead and do it, it's in Coconut Creek, Florida. Um, donations, of course, are always welcome, more than, you know, happy. But uh, we would like numbers because that's what people look at. And hopefully then we can get news coverage, and that will just start everything going. Because it's Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't want to close the show. You know, this show is, is very much solution-based. And we like to always provide resources for people who are uh, maybe going through any of the topics that we're actually talking about. So, Vanessa, I know that you had some, some pretty good resources that you wanted to share with people regarding, uh, you know, regarding mental illness and uh, where they can possibly get help or at least find some resources that will help them get them in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, if you're looking to get help locally if you're looking for a center that offers any type of therapy. And there are many different types of therapy. One great website um, and number that you can dial is 211. 211 is like 411, but it's specific to social services. So you can ask there for mental health referrals. You can go to their website, www.211ny, as in New York, .com. Um, the rest of these websites are a combination of resources where you can find specifically service areas or just information in general about mental health. So there's the National Alliance for Hispanic Health at hispanichealth.org, the National Resource Center for Hispanic Mental Health, which is um, nrchmh.org, as in National Resource Center, um, hispanicmentalhealth.org, there's also the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, NLBHA.org, and the National Hispanic Medical Association, NHMAMD.org. So all of these organizations, many of them have, um, if you go through the links, they may be able to provide local resources as well as more broad resources in terms of information about mental health and information about mental health in the Latino community specifically. Awesome. Um, I would Thank also you so suggest using Google. I mean, honestly, if you like, I don't know, Queens, New York, Community Mental Health, um, Brooklyn, New York, sliding scale fees for therapists, um, any any terminology you use, I need a counselor. If you Google, I need a counselor, I live in New Jersey, you will start to narrow your search down to like, oh, where is an agency that I can call and get services for? And many a time, these agencies know each other. So you may call one agency, and if they're not exactly who you're looking for, you can ask, do you know other resources in the community? Um, that's another one thing I'd like to mention. When you're looking for help, you are a consumer of a product. You have every right to interview the places you're asking for help for. So having a conversation, this is my issue, these are the type of services I'm looking for, or even I'm not sure what I'm looking for, can you tell me what you do? Can you tell me what type of therapist that you have? 
How do they work? Can you explain to me what it means to be in this type of therapy that you're saying your agency or that you specifically do? Um, you know, really interviewing the agency and or the, the potential therapist that you're speaking to about whatever questions you have. Give them a chance to answer that so you can see if they're the right fit because they may or they may not be, and you're not going to know that if you don't ask the questions that you really have on your mind. And if they're a reputable person and or agency, they should be more than willing and able to answer those questions. That's another point that some people some people are afraid because they're going to think, oh, I'm going to be all doped up. There are many different ways to handle mental illness. Some of our are holistic as well as, you know, like you say, go out there and ask. Ask their, what their form of, of uh, cure is, what their form of uh, service is. All right. Absolutely. And one last thing, for those people who do have a fortune enough to work for a company that has uh, insurance, many companies offer something called EAP, which is Emergency Assistance Programs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those resources are, are a lot easier to find through an organized program like that because that's exactly what it's for, uh, for people who are going through situations with police counseling, people who have issues with uh, alcohol and drug dependency, um, you know, psychological divorce, you know, just anything, any, any one of life's challenges, um, your, your employer pretty much puts this in place so that you could have continuous employment with them and they could offer you the services that will keep you healthy so that you can continue to be a valued employee. So I would look uh, I would look there first if you do have uh, medical insurance uh, that you could you know, actually talk to somebody uh, at EAP so they can help guide you uh, through, through whatever it is you're going through. So with that said, I mean, um, I, I just can't say enough. Thank you so much, Sonia, for coming on the show and, and sharing the story. Um, I know my prayers are with your daughter uh, and your family as you go through this difficult time, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, things actually get much better. Um, and, and I again, I applaud your bravery because it's not easy to have this conversation. Um, yeah. I, again, it's on I, my I, blog. I, the whole story, all the links are there if they want to go over it again and see the resources and see... You know, the truth. See see people being themselves out there. It's bohemianbabushka.blogspot.com under Stop the Stigma. And I and I uh, invite everyone to go and, and, and read and be truthful to themselves and, and see who can they re- recognize in there. Yep. We need, and to, and I'm we sure need that, to spread it. I'm sure that if we all look carefully, we, we all know somebody that... Um, either has been through or, or is going through something right now that, um, you know, that, that could use a hand. And I, and I just want to yeah. thank, I want to thank Vanessa, uh, in addition to being here on the show, because the other day I was going through a really rough time. And, and I can actually say honestly, and I know I didn't want to bring it up in the show, but uh, I'm going to say honestly that every behavior and every, every everything you just talked about as far as checking in and everything, <laughs> um, just me, yeah. me, me being trained, me being me being trained, and you know, because I, I was also a psychology major, and then I was also going to go that clinical route. Um, having been an RA and, and worked in mental health uh, on different levels, um, you did everything by the book, and, and you really, you know, you you made me feel better. 
I appreciate it. You know, thankfully it's not, you know, thank God it's not that serious, but it was just a really, really bad day. But um, but having you recognize the fact that I was walking in and I was faking the funk uh, shows how keen your eye is to to what's happening in the community and uh, what's happening with people that you love. So you're an asset to anybody who's your friend. Um, and I say Thank that you. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up what you did because one thing that I want the audience to really understand is that when we talk about reaching out for support, whether it's therapy, like clinical therapy, spiritual support, community resources, once again, it's about not waiting for it to become a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, any, cha- any challenge is worthy of support, period. Um, and understanding in terms of the conversation about mental illness that therapy is not only for mental illness. In other words, there's no diagnosis needed in order to decide I could use a mental health professional to help guide me through this, maybe give me some different insights. I may be experiencing a challenge in life and may be feeling in distress. You know, and this is what you we touched upon earlier. There's anxiety. Anxiety is a way to feel. Um, an anxiety disorder is a way of being. In other words, anxiety has gotten to, the, to this point, but anxiety in and of itself is normal. So my point is that when we're talking about reaching out to therapy, it doesn't just have to be, I think I have a mental illness or I must have a mental illness. I'm having a challenge in my life, and I could really use a safe and confidential and objective place to speak to someone who's trained in listening in a productive way to help me reflect upon what's going on in a way that opens me up to different ways of dealing with it. You didn't hear the word mental illness in any of that. You know, therapists can really help you with a lot of challenges, um, irrespective of diagnosing a mental illness or not. We're there to listen and we're there to provide productive feedback. That's more than talking. So if you feel that you're at that point and that you're considering reaching out for that type of resource, don't feel that there needs to be a crisis or that there needs to be a label on you because there doesn't. All like all publishers can say to that one is, Eso. <laughs> thank you. Well so, I love her. Um, so, so thank you so much again for being on the show. Um, we're going to have follow-up shows, and I definitely would love you to be part of those panels as well so that we can continue the work that you started and, and, and really rally behind you, uh, even if not physically at the, the walk, but virtually uh, to move the needle in our community and, and really get the word out about this. Because I'll be honest with you, as deep as your story is and as, as as heartfelt, you know, to hear you talk about everything in detail, we haven't even scratched the surface. This is a lot deeper. And like you said, it's it's bigger than your daughter. It's bigger than it's just it, it's just something that's happening every single day and we don't have a handle on it. And we really need to, to you know, we really need to get deep into the conversation so that we can better understand it. So thank you for your role in making that happen specifically within our communities, which is where, where it's really needed at this time. Well, thank so, you, both of you. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> so, with that said, um, Nessa, we are we we have a lot of things going on. Um, Capicu is uh, is celebrating a whole bunch of things, but one of the things that we have coming up, just for you to save the date, so to speak, is on November eighth. We have our next Capicu. Uh, over at the Evil Olive uh, with uh, with Miriam, who just actually just got off the uh, the whole Solo That Speaks tour, which was amazing. Did you get a chance to see the show? Oh yeah, it was absolutely beautiful, and I'm so extremely excited that um, 
she's featuring, because I was there when Papua looked at her and said, hey, I totally want you to feature. And the week later, he's, like, announcing her as a feature, and it was just kind of awesome to witness the history of that situation. Yeah, no, she, she, she's amazing. And it's funny because she was the only poet in this whole production that I was not, like, I really don't have a relationship with. And I was really touched. I think the piece that she did about um, about um, her coming out about her sexuality was really intense and it was very moving. Yeah. Uh, you could see the reactions in the crowd. Um, my favorite part of the show, however, was the part of the show where my picture, where my picture was um, like on the, 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 the projection screen. Did you, did you, did you keep me? <laughs> you no, know what I think picture I missed it. Why don't you okay, tell so me? It's, a picture with the, it, it's when the freestyle music came on and uh, oh, my they had God. a guy. Oh my God. Him. That was me. That was oh, me my God, I, I should have known. <laughs> yes, that was me. Yeah, that was an awesome picture. That was an awesome scene. Yeah, so, um, and hold on one second. Um, yeah, so that that was, uh, it was a, it was a good time. Um, they did an amazing job. They sold out, I believe, almost every single night. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing that show reemerge, uh, Again, uh, congratulations to Linda Nieves Powell and, and the crew of Soledad Speaks for just doing an amazing job. Uh, then I had a chance to, to hang out with. Um, we had two things going on actually the other night. We had the the Papoleto book uh, launch over at the New York Poets Cafe, and then we mm-hmm. also had uh, me and me and Peggy Robles Alvarado were performing over at um, at the St. John Plaza de Cafe event with Pi Alpha and Sigma Alpha. So it was a busy night. I rather, rather I should say that Peggy was performing. I was just there, you know, playing the bodyguard. Um, but Peggy did something very unique that I've never seen any poet do in a performance of Capicul ever. And she brought the women to their feet, and she brought the men to their knees, literally. I have, it on, I have it on video, and we're going to actually post that video tomorrow on YouTube yeah. so you can check it out. But you she know what I love about Peggy, Peggy is that, yes. She's absolutely, like, she accepts everything about herself, and because of that, everything about her flourishes, and I think that's what gets the audience reaction that you were just talking about because she doesn't hold back. This is who I am, and I believe in all of it, and there you go, and it feels wonderful to receive it. So we're going to actually be posting the full video of her performance at St. John's uh, off of my iPhone. Um, We're going to post that on, on Facebook tomorrow morning. Uh, you people to enjoy, but you're gonna crack up when you see these guys literally drop to their knees. It was a, a Sigma Lambda Beta from FDU. Was actually there uh, traveling. He traveled over from FDU in New Jersey, which is the school that my daughter goes to, uh, to come down and perform. And he was just like, he was really taken by Peggy. And uh, yeah, she had a, she had a new group of male admirers at St. John's University, to say the least. Um, so we also had the Cupcakes and Coquito that was announced for November 22nd. Uh, mm-hmm. In addition to uh, in addition to a great cupcakes and coquito lineup, because you know that's the taste that everybody waits for every holiday, uh, we do have the Goof Fellas. We have uh, Roman Suarez and the Goof Fellas performing comedy that night. It'll be a very limited open mic, just uh, a little bit of comedy uh, prior to the show, but definitely something that you don't want to miss. We're going to be giving away an Android tablet that night, so the raffle prizes are in effect. If you want to be in the building, you need to go to Coquitos and uh, Coquito and Cupcakes.splashdot.com, or just go to our uh, Coffee Culture Facebook page, and you'll be able to see uh, pretty much uh, 
all the information regarding that event. Um, just so you know, the tickets, uh, there's an early bird ticket special. You can get them for 12 bucks if you get them before uh, the 8th of November. Uh, it's an early bird special, and you get a free uh, ticket for a special door prize that we'll be having. Um, and I want to thank you for all of Pizza Bar for sponsoring our Mike Goldwood charity event every single year. They've been amazing partners. Absolutely. They've allowed us to, allowed us to uh, literally um, provide gifts for over 3,000 kids over the last six years. So um, a big shout-out to Jason Tennant for, for being an amazing partner. And to FIFA uh, from Bushwick United Head Start. For always, uh, um, and that's pretty much it. That's all I got, Vanessa. Do you have any plugs, anything you want to promote, anything going on with the people in our circle? I don't have anything new because I'm all about Capicu, so you just gave us that rundown. I'm going to be at those events for sure, and I hope to see everybody else there. Okay, so our next show that I know for sure that we're having, um, we're we're going to have a a comedy show with with Roman Suarez on the air as well. We're going to do some comedy with Roman. I just have to schedule the date. But one day I want you to keep on your calendar. It is, uh, and I'm looking at it right now. Hold on one second. October, November. We're looking at the day before Veterans Day, the 10th. November 10th, we're going to be talking to people from the Boricuaneers. Uh, I don't know how many people know, but the Boricuaneers were all Puerto Rican uh, army units that, uh, you know, that, that served uh, in, in multiple wars uh, and have not been recognized yet from uh, Congress and the U.S. government and have not received a congressional honor, unlike some of their counterparts for uh, other you know, I guess racially uh, segregated units like Tuskegee Airmen. So we're going to be talking to them and getting a little bit more insight on uh, what they're doing to try to get these, these Puerto Ricans recognized uh, by the United States President and Congress uh, for their service and, you know, what they had to endure, you know, being Puerto mm-hmm. Ricans that, uh, that were serving in a segregated unit and, and you know, and treated uh, not so fairly all the time. You know, so we're going to have an in-depth conversation about that the day before Veterans Day just to kind of frame that conversation as well and hopefully get a call to action to people out there so that they can support this, this great cause and, and get these veterans recognized for their service to the country and, and for, you know, being the pride of Puerto Rico as well. Wonderful. And that's it. That's all I got, people. That's all I got. And uh, I thank you so much, Vanessa, for filling in. Um, Anytime. You're a great asset to the team. And... Uh, for those people who do not know it, um, me and Vanessa had a conversation a couple of shows back, and uh, she will be a regular fixture on the show uh, from the social work perspective, and she'll be helping us build some of these topics as we move along. Um, one of the other things that's coming up fairly quickly uh, we'll be talking about over the next couple of shows is that this show is actually going to start uh, developing a regular schedule, and we will be uh, we will, we'll be starting. We're in the process of starting um, to get advertising support for the show so that we could develop the show, build a team, and be able to to have a much better show to be able to give you guys. Um, so, you know, please keep emailing us your topic ideas at uh, radiocapico at gmail.com. We definitely want to hear what you have to say. Um, always be willing to partner with us because we, we're definitely willing to partner with you when it's in the community's best interest. So, um, again, thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you on November 10th with the body Quineers, and we'll be having that conversation just to frame the Veterans Day situation together and hopefully get these men congressional medals that they deserve. And that's it. I'm out. And we can't Buenas finish noches. the show without a big 
We can't finish the show without this, without this. You know what this is, right? Yeah. <laughs> I really hate that the show's ending, but I just love that part. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. And for everybody that's listening, that's still listening, even after we threw the copy down, you can get this uh, episode and every other episode that we have on demand at blogtalkradio.com slash copy Radio Copy Cool. All right? <laughs> I forgot the name of my show. It's crazy. Have a good night.